All righty, welcome to the Exhale Fantasy Inhale Nonsense podcast. This is your commissioner, Neil Chuanperti, coming at you. Who am I with? And I also just want to clarify that the so-called title of the podcast is Intro on the Exhale, not Exhale on the Intro, but it's uh, Steve. Steve, it's Alan. So... <laughs> Today, we're going to go over in our first iteration of the Intro on the Exhale podcast, uh, a draft day recap, um, tr some trade retrospectives, my thoughts on um, some undesirable or less desirable team members, um, a segment we're going to call Don't Fear the Lasky, uh, Diego's left field comments, um, I believe Odell Beckham Jr. or BJ from Cleveland. Um, Aaron Rogan, uh, Marquez Callaway, a drug, and quick predictions for tomorrow's matchup. Um, so why don't, why don't we just go ahead? We'll get started. Let's go right on to the draft recap. Where do you guys want to start? I really think injuries really play a big part in kind of how these first few rounds go, at least, just because it, it seems kind of by the book. I know that, Neil, you pay a lot more attention than I do, but... It pretty much seems that it's uh, a hit or miss is defined by if the player is injured in the moment. Yeah, I think that's pretty true. Um, looking at this, it went Christian McCaffrey, Delvin Cook, at least at the top of, of the draft here, you know, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, JTT. Alan, what do you think? I really think like all of them are fine. Like it sucks. That I mean, I, I, out. pretty standard. There's a couple of shakeups between probably three and seven, right? I mean, I probably took a little bit of a stretch with Kamara. Um, just didn't like Saquon Barkley. You know the rule: no Jets, no Giants. So you'll catch me dead before I do that. Um, and Henry is always an interesting one. You guys know I'm super high on him. I just felt like with the Saints' offense this year, Kamara would be the better play. Um, unfortunately, with with Winston going down, that's going to take a big hit, but pretty much standard. Uh, I think the biggest surprise, if I may, is Aaron Jones at nine. Um, I like the pick there for Nate. I think that's a good pick, but I mean, just seeing Zeke going all the way at, you know, uh, what is that there? 13. Eckler at 14. I mean, some of these running backs, I feel like fell a little bit for got, you know, guys like, you know, you got Diggs up there, right? Metcalf kind of fell a little bit. I thought Justin Jefferson was a little lower. Um, Diggs, especially, I mean, first round, uh, first pick of the second round, that's a steal. I thought he was going to be a first round pick. So, um, you know, Travis Kelsey, I think anybody's always going to take a tight end. There's going to be that reach there. So, um, Neil, I, I don't know, surprised that some, Nick um, took a tight end while the trend was running back or not so much. For I'll, me, even think... I'll even hate Kelsey at seven there. I mean, he's still producing right now. He's the number one ranked tight end. I feel like you'd be upset about that draft pick if he wasn't the first uh, tight end here. Yeah, I think, but he's not the number one tight end by a ton, like compared to last year. So I think like it's good that he's the number one tight end, but that's like, the expectation. So mm. for his draft, he's like meeting expectations, but like looking in other places, like I would say Alvin Kamara is definitely somewhat expecting, exceeding expectations. Jonathan Taylor, I would say is living up, if not exceeding the expectations after the first three weeks. But um, yeah, Kel I, I think Kelsey there is like justifiable, but there is always one person that takes a tight end or like a quarterback in the first round just to like, be that be that one and i feel like there's every in every draft there's it's there yeah. um 
The largest trend I call out in this entire draft is the general picking like the hypiest players that you can think of. Like round by round is just like it seems like a reach, but like you heard somewhere on a podcast or on Twitter that X player could like vastly exceed expectation or X player could be like this year's Darren Waller or this year's um, OBJ or something like that. Um, and it's sort of like not worked out really at all. I mean, I'm okay with his first three picks, but then like four to like nine, I'm looking at this like, w- what are we doing? And and I, I, I have to call this out. The 10th round, Jacob takes a kicker. I love the enthusiasm, but mm. good Lord, there were some better options there. Um, especially with the way that the chiefs offense has turned out. Bucker is nowhere remotely close to a top three fantasy kicker right now. I think he's hovering 15 to 25 ish range. I don't have the kicker uh, rankings up right in front of me right now, but, um, you know, that one I think is definitely a surprise. 18. Okay. Is the chiefs offense? And he hasn't had his body, I believe. Are the the Chiefs' people? offense has has been middling uh, at best. What? I mean, they're, they're like, uh, what's their record right Bro, now? You know, they're five hundred. No, no, I'm very aware. I feel <laughs> like <laughs> for him in the second round, like I have some regrets there, but he definitely like carried me in the first few weeks. Like, put up forty one point seven in week four, thirty nine in week that's, one. I mean, of course, that's that's, like that's the ceiling. You know, you, yeah. you could get that. I mean, it's the same thing with Tyreek Hill, right? Like tenth. Uh, 10th pick of the overall draft, right? Jacob got him in the end of the first. I think that's a great pick there. Um, would I take Diggs or Ridley over um, Hill there, considering what, you know, th- those are the just the next up wideouts? No, I-, I don't think so. I think Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, you take your pick, you take one of the three, and whoever's best available, you go for it. So I like that one there. Um, you know, just doubling down on the Chiefs' offense. Think he could have waited a little bit on the kicker, um, go a little more position and fill out some depth. But hey, he didn't draft three quarterbacks, so true. Yeah, so it seems like we're sort of going team by team. So I will. I'm gonna look at Jacob's team as well. Let's put a magnifying glloss over him. Oh, I wasn't. Um, I was just looking at trends of. We should put a we should put a magnifying glass over everything except the team name. <laughs> that's very true. That's that's. So Tyreek Hill is the wide receiver too, despite the Chiefs sort of like sputtering. And I do think like it's sputtering in terms of the Chiefs. Like if it was any other team, you'd sort of be like, oh, okay. Like they're having like a pretty decent year. But for the Chiefs, it's just like such a fall from grace. Um, James Robinson, is he's he actually had some like really bad luck with, with some injuries here. Like James Robinson, J.K. Dobbins. Oh my god, he wait, he drafted a punter in the eighth round. That's worse than the kicker in the tenth. Oh, that's ass. Jacob, what are you doing? Oh, and then he drafted David Johnson. Why would you ever do that to yourself? Ugh. Ugh. My body. Michael Pittman. He just loves that. He just jumping at the opportunity to take a punter. You can't do that in any other league. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Maybe he saw the P and was just like, I have I I just can't wait any longer. I I need to go after this. Um, you know, honestly, that, must, that has to be it. <laughs> what is um? What's Jacob's record right now? Four and four. 
Um, because like his draft, looking back at it, there's some um, some duds. So I think he's definitely done well for himself to uh, to really stay in the game here. Actually, no, not really. He's just picked up Hunter Renfro. Well, essentially, can we hit on that for a second? Kind of the at the beginning of the year, there seemed to be kind of just like winners and losers. And as the season has progressed, it's kind of trended a little bit back towards the mean, where everyone's kind of either five and three, four and four, and two and six. It's all kind of uh, condensing towards the middle. Why do you think that happened? Um, I think that a big part of that is some of the teams that we thought were going to be really good have like re- haven't really panned out. And then we've really started to have, like, a separation, maybe, of, like, really the teams at the bottoms, and then what I would say is, like, the competent plus team. So, like, I think, you know, we had this later on in the agenda, but maybe we just have to address this now, is that I distinctly remember after the draft um, texting Joe and saying, man, Lasky's team is really good. Um... And at the start, it did look really good, like looking at the draft. Like, and, and mind you, he drafted remotely from Maine, so he barely had internet. Um, and he still managed to pull off what looked like a very impressive draft. He had Derrick Henry, Antonio Gibson, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Miles Sanders, E.J. Moore, Dak Prescott, Chase Claypool. Like down the list, like you know, D.J. Shark, Raheem Mostert, like, you know, it sounds like quite good and quite, and quite promising, but then... Over the course of the year, what happens is, you know, DJ or Raheem Mostert goes down week one for the whole season. He picked up Sterling Shepard early on in the year, who's been in and out quite frequently. DJ Chark, fractured out uh, ankle, going to be out for the year. Miles Sanders is on IR. Derek Henry's out for the rest of the year. Maybe coming back in the playoffs, but that's useless here. Antonio Gibson is playing with, I, I believe, is like a fractured chin is what it is. Um, Correct. No, wow. Yeah, like, I can't even, I wouldn't even be able to stand at work with a fractured chin. Like, he must be hopped up on so many drugs. Um, Noah Fant has COVID. That's short term, but it's kind of, like, hilarious that, of course, like, someone on Lasky's team would have to get that. Irv Smith went out, I think, on IR for the year, right? Yeah, never even recorded a stat. Um, I think every single week I see A.J. Brown on the injury report, and he's also mm. missed some time. Um, also just had like 35 points last week, I think, though. So, you know, he, he has been hit or miss this year, but he's still A.J. Brown. I, I mean, I think especially as his third round pick, that's a great pick there. That's his uh, A.J. Brown and Dak Prescott, despite their injuries, have really been like the saving grace here. And I think D.J. Moore also like no, D.J. Moore didn't miss any time. He was just out for a part of a game. I mean, um, Dak Prescott is a top 15 QB right now. Right, so I think he's like a top five QB right now. You know, I mean, realistically, he's probably good for you know two, three tutties and a pick here, here or there. So you're you're gonna get twenty, twenty five points from him. You know, I think I think that's exactly what you're looking for out of a, a quarterback in the seventh round. Get one of the top five. Um, obviously, if he, if he truly is a top fifteen right now, he's playing probably he's, uh, below by uh, points per game because he's out. He was out for a game. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> I think ESPN right now has him ranked the 13th overall quarterback for our league. Um, but even still, 
essentially, you know, he might be playing a little bit under what his initial draft day expectation was. But again, I mean, you know, there's a strategy to it, right? Some guys take quarterbacks six, seven, eight, nine, right? Other guys will sit on it until 12. Uh, you know, I've seen a couple drafts where some guys will go as late as 15, 16. So, um, you know, Blasky obviously thought highly of Dak Prescott this year. I mean, coming off of the, you know, the, the gruesome injury last year, um, you know, I, I think it really panned out. It took a big risk there in the seventh and it's been working for him. So you're saying the, uh, kind of going for Dak Prescott in the seventh round is a better kind of, uh, kind of Hail Mary pass than going for Sony Michelle in the eighth round, like Diego did. Uh, yeah, I, I would just, just off the cusp. Yeah. Short answer. Okay. I think that, sure. um, Dak was taken, I think at a good point in the seventh round before him, the quarterbacks taken were Patrick Mahomes in the second. That makes sense. Josh Allen in the fourth. That also very good. Kyler Murray in the fifth, Lamar Jackson in the sixth, but then Tom Brady right after that by Diego. Who's. That pick actually hasn't been terrible, but at the time, sort of was like, wow, you're a homer and you're kind of ridiculous. Um, but I also. The man has a it. type. He does. The man has a type. And it's so funny, too, kind of like seeing those trends kind of like play out year after year. Like, this was the fourth year doing this, third year doing this. So I think the, the um, third year, yeah. Yeah. With Diego, I think it might only be the second year with Diego, though. Great addition. Love him. Yeah. ESPN doesn't. Um, keep a record like sleeper does because ESPN is not as good. Okay. I think we're going to have to implement a sleeper counter and then we'll see how many time Neil brings up sleeper in a given pod. All right. So I was going to say they sponsor the podcast, but they really just sponsor Neil. (laughs) I wish even if they sent me a t-shirt, I would, I would make sure to mention them like three times a day. Uh, That's all it takes. (laughs) Looking at my team here, um, I do want to highlight who I think actually had a pretty good draft, and that being Joe, who went pretty vanilla the first couple rounds, but then hit on some like really good value with Cooper Cup in the fourth round, who has just been by far the wide receiver one, just like automatic, doesn't even matter double-digit targets almost every single week, a touchdown almost every single week, or more. Just every time you refresh your screen, you have more points thanks to Cooper Cup. Um, I liked Kareem Hunt, but he's just, you know, he's hurt. Uh, And there's a lot of, like, really what I would say are solid dart throws. You know, Brandon Cooks just has enormous target share for, you know, it's a lot of crap, but it's a lot of targets. Naeem Hines has been good. Cole Beasley was good. Like, there was a lot of good, solid dart throws here that panned out that, unfortunately, like, Joe might have dropped, so it didn't work out too well. But one that I want to highlight here is Tyler Higby in the final round, and that is Joe's current and actually only tight end ever drafted or transacted by Elon Musk's union aversion. Joe, what do you have to say for yourself? Why do you hate tight ends? Why do I hate tight ends? Um, I, I don't think I have an answer for that. I think, um, oh, you know what? I do have an answer for that. National tight end day is oh, oh wait, you is have faker than there's literally what are we doing? <laughs> wait, why don't you like um, national tight end day? 
I mean, what what are we? I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, the people that get recognized in this country before certain other kind of groups, uh, we choose tight ends to get an entire day. I think is uh, ridiculous. They should at most get an hour. I think before we would have, what are certain groups that you would give a day to before tight ends? I don't think I'm in a position to kind of uh, list them. I would I would feel bad if I left anyone out. I feel uh, punter, I guess punters punters should get a day before tight ends. That's very true. I think punters do deserve a day. They they actually should get like a whole week. This is like a, a white girl's birthday. Like it should be <laughs> a week. Like eventually it'll expand to a month. They really celebrated it similarly to a white girl celebrating her birthday month. <laughs> really made it all about them and just oh, just terrible. Alan, do you have have you been noticing any uh, any trends as we yapper on here? Uh, I'm just kind of taking a gander. Not nothing really too crazy. Um, I think you know we can take another we can take another few minutes looking around. Anything uh anything fascinates us to uh, dig it on. Um, I think one interesting trend is looking at folks who haven't played fantasy in a little bit. Um, and sort of like one trend I do notice there is the tendency to take older names a little sooner than um than those who are following the game a little more closely. Um, Brendan, for example, took Will Fuller in the ninth round, and I don't think Will Fuller has really played this year. No, he has two, he has recorded two games because he has either been suspended for PEDs or has been hurt in very typical Will Fuller fashion. He also took, uh, Ben Roethlisberger without realizing that Ben Roethlisberger has a noodle arm at the current moment. And did he take Frank Gore too, or did he, he missed out on Frank Gore? No, Frank Gore is uh, currently training for a boxing match with uh, an ex like NBA guy. Oh, dude! So no, um, the inconvenient Williams. truth is currently occupied. He's, he's gonna fight Daron Williams in the uh, in the uh, Logan Paul undercard, right? It's oh, something God. like that. Yeah. Please don't get me started on Logan Paul. No. <laughs> what about Jake Paul? Low gang, dude. Both are trash. Come on. Doesn't mean it. Joe's logo until he dies. He has a tattoo. He had a, you know why he has the Horcrux tattoo? It's because he had to cover up his low gang tattoo. Exactly. Just, just uh, my early 20s were dark times. <laughs> and then he actually got the low gang tattoo to cover up a chain smoker's tattoo. It, it, it's a whole thing. That, that patch of skin is, is not doing so hot. Very raw. <laughs> All right, well... I think, why don't we just do a quick, like, who do we think won the draft? Who do we think lost the draft? And then we can move on to some some trade review here. So um, I'm just going to throw you under the bus, Joe. Who do you think won the draft and who do you think lost the draft? I think Edwin, I think Edwin did really well for himself. I, I think he's like kind of like the quiet, sneaky sleeper here going on for the rest of the year. Like, I think he just has a bunch of solid guys. Kind of, he picked them in the, the exact right spot. Um, I think he's going to do well moving forward. So what, what I like to think about Edwin's team is like, it's like the on paper, it's good team. But when you, when I look deeper, everything just makes me like cringe a little bit. It's like, okay, your number one running back is Saquon Barkley, who is like glass and he's on the giants. So everyone like knows that like he's the star. They'll load the box, like eight people. And he's not like Derrick Henry. Same with mm-hmm. Joe Mixon where it's like, Oh, Joe Mixon. Like, I don't, I don't really like that. But, Joe Mixon has panned out though, but like he has a lot of names that are just like, oh, like 
Deontay Johnson is like one of like four targets that got peppered. Like same with Chris Godwin. Like Devonta Smith is on a team with like a quarterback that throws like 16 times a game. Like Melvin Gordon is really in a timeshare. Marvin Jones is on a bad team, like bad passing offense too. Like I just didn't like, I was actually going to say Edwin was my loser of the draft. And I think oh, I actually said that on the night of the draft. I think I actually said, Edwin, I really don't like your team. Rude. Rude, but fair. <laughs> um, Alan, do you have any thoughts? Do you have a loser of the draft? Winner of the draft? I think winner for me overall right now is Barstow. Um, I think sneaky underdog potential. Um, I don't necessarily like some of the players that he has now per se. I think there might be some depth struggles along the way, but I think looking at a draft specifically from a draft perspective and knowing Brendan, um, who I also think was slightly occupied as well during the draft. So a little bit of, um, what's the word? Multi, um, multitasking. Yeah. Multitasking. Thank you. A um, little bit of multitasking during the draft, right? And, and I think for him, this was a fantastic draft. Um, agree with some of the comments, Neil, you know, noodle arm on Big Ben. Um, you know, I'm not really super high on Corey Davis this year, although I, I think he's had a couple of good weeks. Um, you know, the Will Fuller thing, you know, I, I think in the ninth round for what, at the time, what was expected of him, that was good. So I see probably where he was going from. Um you know, I, I think this roster, at least at the end of the draft, looks like, you know, Brandon took a little bit of time and put some thought into it, which is more than what we've seen in previous years. Um, although, granted, you know, those are some school drafts. So I think Brandon, for me, is a big winner. Um, and then in terms of losers, I mean, here's the interesting thing about the draft, right? Like, I, I know that ESPN did the rankings at the end, and I know that everybody has their own individual opinions and comments. But I, I think, honestly, it was all pretty equal uh, in terms of what the priorities were for every position across each of the rosters. But I will say that being said, Joe, I slightly disagree with you. I think Edwin's team actually turns out to be the weakest. And the only reason why I say that is because if you look at this team, it's very similar to what my roster was coming out of the draft, which is a lot of volatility. You got some players that are going to go off for you. Uh, they could Great. get you three points a week. You might have one consistent guy, right? I look at this roster coming out of the draft and I say most consistent, probably Mark Andrews. Yep. Um, and even Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson's going to run the ball. You don't know how many targets he's going to get. You don't know how Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to look. You don't know what Bateman on the other side is going to look like when he comes out of IR, right? So there are a lot of question marks to the Ravens offense going into the season for as good as they played. That would be the one consistent player on the roster. But I think Edwin really might have been the loser um, if we had to deign one just because of the volatility. Yeah, I do want to say with Mark Andrews, he hasn't exceeded um, 20 points once this season, except for week five, where he scored 41.7, um, in which case Edwin beat me that week. I remember that very painfully. Um, very volatile. I think he hasn't really done too much to fix that yet. He, you know, he still definitely has the chance to. And I, I think I, am I playing him this week? You want to make a trade, baby? Holla at me. I'm there. Yeah. 
Let's yeah, do yeah. it. I was waiting for this to turn into a platform where Alan is just kind of like he, positioning he himself. Has, dude. Like, uh-huh. oh, Brendan has some holes here looking at his current roster. Yep. Uh, I don't know about this. I mean, I'm Very playing volatile. Brendan this week. So. Someone much consistent, like a player on my team. <laughs> so I think just to just to close it down here, I um I really I liked Brendan's draft as well. Um I was really high on some of the players that Brendan drafted um that just haven't panned out. Alan Robinson, uh Robbie Very Anderson, true. Like A Rob has been a real letdown this season, and I feel so bad for him because it's a contract year, arguably, right? He's yeah. gonna be a free agent at the end of this year. I doubt that Chicago turns around and tags him for a second year, right? I don't not. think he wants to be there. I, I think you know, Justin Fields has not plant panned out in terms of fantasy the way that the production was originally anticipated. Um, it's just been an all-around sad story, similar to OBJ, just in the sense that A, he didn't get traded, and B, he didn't force his way out. Yeah. And I really look at this, too, and I see, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin really been underperforming recently, only exceeded 10 points once in the last four weeks. You know? Oh, we're going to get just into that. We're, really... we're going to get into that. Really not underperforming. Yeah, now that he's on your roster, he's underperforming. Okay, okay. Let's let's go over here to the trades. Let's go over here. You you want you want to take a gander, Joe? Let's start off with you because I didn't get the opportunity to chat with you about this. So Terry McLaurin, who's wide receiver one for the Washington Football Team, um, arguably, I I personally, I would say probably a low-end wide receiver one fantasy perspective, high-end wide receiver two. Um, Darren Waller at the time was a top three, top four tight end, still has that potential. Obviously, we've seen in Vegas, you know, coaching regime shift. Um, they got an interim in, right? The the horrific tragedy that has turned into be Henry Ruggs the third. Um you know, I, I saw the other day that another two charges are being tacked onto him because the girlfriend in the car also sustained injuries. So just all around tragic there, right? And on the same the week of the trade. Henry girlfriend? Well, hold, 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 back up. Henry Ruggs's girlfriend or Henry Ruggs's girlfriend, yes. She's gonna press charges against him. No, no, I don't know if she pressed charges or if they were just added on because oh, okay. uh, uh, whatever. I didn't read the full article, right? So I don't want to speculate on on what actually happened. But um, th- there's a couple. I-, I think the last thing I saw was that right now he's facing 46 years behind bars for the total oh, uh, of oof. all of the charges that he has against him. So it's it's gone well beyond the DUI and um, obviously the the murder charge there that that goes along with it and and all of that other stuff so um you know like Derek Carr said this week you know he he needs somebody to be there and and if you know nobody else will he'll he'll do it so um you know prayers out to the guy hope for the best for him um but not even within that trade we'll we'll get to that but you know Vegas as a whole right and, and the week of that trade Darren Waller was i believe on the injury report anyways coming out of the games the week prior so interesting there was some potential question marks around Darren Waller Brendan decides to make the trade anyways at a position on his roster at the time where personally I felt like he had no wide receiver 
depth. So I was very surprised when I got the email that Brendan had agreed to make a wide receiver trade, especially considering where Neil was at with wideouts. Um, but to me, I, I just felt like Brendan got the losing side of this deal. I didn't think he necessarily needed a tight end at the time. Um, I believe after the trade, he was rostering three. So he did make some roster moves and make some drops. But um, Joe, I don't, I don't know what your perspective is, but I, I felt like it was a little bit of a one-sided trade. Yeah, I mean, it can seem that way at the time. It's tough to see it kind of like retrospectively. Um, it is, it's interesting, though, because, I mean, Brendan's paying more attention. It, it's not as easy to kind of take advantage of him in a trade as uh, what's happened in the past. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just like on paper, like a tight end uh, for a wide receiver can kind of be kind of raise alarm bells. So, I don't know, maybe a little bit, but uh, I don't think it's as egregious um, as it might seem. All right, so let me let me just step in here real quick. Yeah, no, we're gonna get the whole essay that Neil posted about this trade and the value of both sides. And listen, Neil, I, I'm not saying that, that you know you guys didn't agree to the value, right? Like, I completely agree. You guys made the trade; it's your trade. You both agreed there was value. You both accepted it. It's nobody else's opinion except for the two of you that matter. Um, I'm gonna take us back to you know. October. Oh, here we go. Oh, here I'm we go. I'm going to take this back to October 21st. Here we go. The date that In this the trade was processed, okay? Proposed and processed. Terry McLaurin had actually just returned to practice after sitting out a day, and it was a limited practice. I would actually say that Which both, is common for, for players who are over-targeted and are the only offensive option in a middling at best. Darren Waller is the same way. Both sides, I would say, have... Some no. injury risk. That was Washington at the time was element. like two and four, and Waller was what? Like they were five and two. I don't think. Okay, first off, this we're talking about record here is very much, very only loosely correlated to the value. Of this I want to talk about the players of this trade. Okay, you are talking about. Darren Waller, currently the tight end eight, who has scored 13.8 fantasy points so far this season, which is actually the fourth most. He's, you know, tight end eight because he sat out a few games. Um, Average yards, you mean. Because of a bye. Average yards per game, 13.8? Fantasy points per game. Got you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. On the other side, you have Terry McLaurin, who has scored 15.7 fantasy points per game as the wide receiver 15. Value-wise, by position, I would actually say they're quite pretty equal. And Brendan has Devontae Adams, so I wouldn't say he's thin, per se, at the position. He has what I believe is the number one, maybe number, no, Cooper Cup is number one. Uh, but at least, you know, a top, top five, seven, eight, yeah, somewhere up there, wide receiver. Um, I don't think that, I think the trade, you know, valuable for both sides, I must say. Um, Cole Beasley right now, he's running him as his wide receiver too. Cole Beasley, the last few, two weeks has scored over 21, 21 or more points. COVID clearly not slowing him down. Um, yeah, but the rest of those weeks, I believe he's under 10 and two of those weeks, he's under five. I, I think three weeks ago from where you're talking those two weeks, he had like 1.7 points. So 
overall, Dawson collectively, out. the factor is still in. If, if, I'm just going to say it to you like this. At the time of Brendan's roster, he had, let's say, Devontae Adams, Terry McLaurin, Cole Beasley, right? And then he has A-Rob, Corey Davis, and whoever else he has. Besides Devontae Adams and Terry McScorin, he had no other wideouts. You can't trust A-Rob. Corey Davis was on the IR, I believe. Uh, Beasles, same thing. The volatility out the wazoo. So he kind of took away what he arguably was weak at already. And and yeah, he got a, a tight end out of it, which he could have had a, you know, a weakness there. But I don't think the weakness at tight end was enough to really give up the true depth. And I think... If we look at where we're at with the standings overall, right, in the past um, three weeks, Brendan's on, I think, a one or a two-game losing streak where he won, lost one, or or something along those lines. I think he lost last week, but I think he won the week before and lost that. So since the trade, he's been pretty inconsistent before the trade. He was on a pretty big Kyler run. Murray. Before the trade, he had giant big dick Kyler Murray just carrying him through. <laughs> I mean, you can say what you will about the rest of his team, but, you know. I mean, that's, that's only one of the trades that we've had this year. You know, I, I've been lucky enough to make a couple of trades this year. I think both of them were fantastic business partners. So if anybody, and, and Neil, you as well, I think you also made a trade with Nate, if I believe correctly. So yeah, I think Nate, you can Nate's attest. Very uh, I think he's a yep. good trade partner, you know, very willing to wheel and deal, seize opportunity. And honestly, Agree. I think that, but your, your trade with him, I, I, underst- I absolutely understood why he did it. I love Emmanuel Sanders. You can go back and look at the history for my love of Emmanuel Sanders in our other Discord chat. I, of course, like the running back value of Zach Moss, so I'll say that, eh, I don't know. I, I would say that you got the, a little bit better into the deal, but sure, whatever, that's, that's fine. It's sort of a fringy trade. I think your your analysis of it at the time as the guy who made the trade was was pretty spot on. Not really sure why something like this would be made, but it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. There was value on both sides. Part of the reason why we needed it was because I was going into buy Mageddon and I had no running back depth. Um I just had, you know, with DeAndre Swift on the injury and Kamara being hurt a couple of times, um, you know, I, I just didn't have Chris Carson going down was a huge killer for me. Um, I just needed a running back and I had what I felt like was a stable of wideouts. Um, I agree with you, Neil. I love Emmanuel Sanders. If I could have traded somebody else, I would have. Um, I think I might've been able to give him Cortland Sutton, but I thought the value with Cortland Sutton might've not been equitable considering Jerry Judy was out. Um, this is back when, when Teddy two gloves was popping off. Um, I, I felt a little high on Cortland Sutton. So I was willing to move Sanders. Now, granted he did have zero points last week. So Nate, I don't know if you played him or not, but 
Hopefully that didn't kill you too much. Um, but I, oh, I think at the time, put up a hundred last week. I think at the time, speaking specifically of the trade, there was a rationale for why it was done. It benefited both sides, and I think both sides have seen success um, from it. So I don't think that one was horrible at all. Um, similarly, for the other trade that I made uh, with Jacob, you know, we were desperate. Uh, both of us, we we needed to fill bye weeks. Um, you know, we, I was looking for a tight end upgrade. He was looking for running back depth. He liked Zach Moss. I had a ton of different offers to him out on the table and we just worked out to what was the best one that he was most comfortable with. Um, and we made the trade. I know some people felt like, you know, it was very one-sided or not. Um, I don't necessarily see it that way. Um, again, I gave up running back depth with, I I have an incredible weakness at, um, admittedly. So, you know, I, 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 I'm very high on Zach Moss. I think he's going to have great success for Jacob. You know, I hope he succeeds. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully, uh, oh I don't God. have to see Jacob again. I hope he succeeds. The like, diplomacy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like Jesus. Oh, I, ho- I wish him great success in his future endeavors. Mm, let me say where this bad trade rep has LinkedIn. come for me mm-hmm. in this league. I I'm nothing but polite. So, I see value on both sides. I, I just like the conversation and this- I, Try to work to something that both sides agree to. I, I, like you said, Neil, I can't be bothered with the opinions of the sheep. Let me just go back. So I'll, I'll take us back real quick to the first trade in which if we want to look at Nate's performance since he's made both these trades with us, it's been inconsistent as well. So I can't really say that anything we've done has been I mean, I think your trade was more devastating than my (laughs) trade, but the Henry Ruggs trade, uh, the Henry Ruggs bit of it obviously hurts um, you a little more, Neil. Our trade, let me just talk about it real quick, was Mike Davis and Henry Ruggs for Jarvis Landry and Alex Collins. And quite frankly, it's, it's kind of a poopy trade in retrospect because... Mike Davis is really not panned out. Very low ceiling. You could say high floor, but I would say, like, really not a room I'd want to be in. Um, or Alex Collins, you know, he, I think he just came up with a chronic, like, injury as well. So, like, he's not going to be playing much. Henry Ruggs isn't going to be playing at all. And then Jarvis Landry, I think, is actually the most interesting piece of this trade. Agreed. With- OBJ, like, going somewhere else, which we'll talk about later. Jarvis Landry, who was already, like, force-fed a ton of targets, will just become more force-fed. So, I think at this point in time, I'd actually say Nate was the winner, like, there, just because he got the most relevant player, like, currently. But all around, it's kind of like, oh, this trade is, like, kind of gross for everyone. Um understandable yeah. uh, understandable here, here here's the thing that I, I would say personally to sum it up overall it's been pretty light on the trade perspective right i think we could all agree it's it's been rather light um what we have seen is a couple of repeat people right myself neil um 
I think that, you know, the general has been kind of just in the sense that he traded with me and Neil. So, you know, we'd like to see a little more trades, I think, just as the health of the league. Right. It's good for everybody. Um, You know, if you have a need. Right. You don't have to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. Although Edwin holler at me, we make one every year. We have the league. So, you know, we got to get down, even if it's just like a defense for a defense, just to, you know, pad the overall historical stats. Let's do it. But, um, you know, I, I. I think at least from my perspective, I've probably reached out to everybody. Um, There's only been one bad experience with a trade overall that I would say for the league. Otherwise um, I think it's been, you know, pretty good. Um, And I hope that there's more of them to come truly. And just, just for awareness, I 100% support that statement as well. The trade deadline is December 1st. So perhaps, you know, a good opportunity would be while we got a month. at a Veterans Day parade this upcoming Thursday, supporting our troops, our men that keep us safe all across the world that deserve our investment. And this is a message supported by, I think, Joe especially. Um, That could be a time that you send over a trade, maybe over Thanksgiving. Joe, do do you have any other thoughts on trades before we move on? No, I'm just really glad you you made sure to only kind of uh, commend the men uh, serving overseas and and nothing else. Um, I think that's very apt. Yeah, you know, um, you're right. You're right. I also want to give a shout out to all of those great service dogs out there sniffing out those mines, you know, finding those drugs, those illicit substances that all of those enemies of the state of our freedom out there are trying to hide from us. Thank you to those loyal canines. All right. Thank you for doing that. Joe really appreciates it. Moving along. I actually, this, this is a segment that I think I'm, I may take the lead on. It is um, sort of been a, something I've observed since the early days of the league that I have slowly been, um, it's, it's like akin to, we could call this segment like the uh, commissioner's doctor visit. You know what I mean? The league needs a health check and, and the commissioner is just bringing us into the office to, to have a little, you know, round table discussion, if you will. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to put it out. And another way would be, we are at, a private Christian school, and you are the kid who keeps faking the same injury, and I am the very angry nun nurse that has to take care of you. That that may be a, a comparison that I would like to use. Here. This might be too sexy of a comparison. Otherwise, I think this is spot on. <laughs> I didn't go to Catholic school. I assumed they were all old. Yeah, me too. All right. So we are currently in week nine of the NFL season. We have uh, overall, I want to say, 10 and a half weeks of fantasy activity with the draft and sort of the prep and the post-draft preseason first week time. In that time, you would think like, oh, you know, that's about 10 and a half weeks of overall league activity. You know, maybe in that time... There would be activity for each team. Like everyone has to do something, you know, talking in the le- in the Discord, doing their part to really enhance and provide to the league community. If Neil, we look- can, 
Can I interrupt yes. for just a quick minute? Do, do you happen to know through the the 10 weeks that we are at what the average team transaction count is or I, um, I do actually. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I I would love it for you to share what's the what's the average transactional counter per team per week? I would say on on average so far this year, let me oh actually I need to divide it by nine. Hold on. I was I know the average overall. Yeah, whatever um, you have, whatever you have statistically, just just out of curiosity for maybe the listeners who aren't really sure, you know, they might be thinking to themselves, okay, through nine weeks, that's nine games, maybe one, two buys impact you have to add or drop, right? So like, what would we be at through nine weeks? Currently, we are at an average of about 15 acquisitions per week, right? Wow, okay. Some people are light, some people are low. I think another telling stat is sort of activate, which is the stat that's basically like, how many like sit start pondering decisions have you made? And the average there is 28. So we're looking at 15 and 28. And if we look at the transactions for some particular member of the league, uh, whose team name is the Watertown Teapots, we see that they have acquired five people. So, you know, about half of the average, actually less than, no, that's a third. Uh, no, wait, am I doing the math right? Hold on. Yeah, less than a third. Less than a third of the league average acquisitions this team has made. And in terms of sit-start decisions, it is less than half, with the average being about 30. So... Here we have a team who, hey, it looks like they're really inactive in terms of, you know, what they do on ESPN. Maybe they are super active in Discord. Maybe they're just, you know, really chatty, maybe backdoor deals, right? I looked at that as well. And looking at our Discord, which is our, you know, main means of communicating with each other in our remote world, this owner has 24 total messages. Of those 24... One is directly fantasy related. One is football related, telling another league member that a game was in London. Two are football player related, a picture of Josh Allen cereal, which was actually sent today. And the most egregious thing here, maybe actually, Alan, you and I might have a different most egregious thing because I know your stance on Apple. But to me... No, I I know what the most egregious. Carry on. The most egregious thing is that the very first message that Nick sent was, can we remove punters? Gasp. Ouch. Ouch. I, I didn't even know what to say. I, I, I believe that punters are the very heart and soul of this league. What sets us apart? Something that Can really... I get a church? Preach. Amen. <laughs> And to, to request that was basically, I, I, I can't even think of a comparison heinous enough that wouldn't get me canceled by saying it. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. And I, I just put him in the grinder. Like, I'll say it. Put him in the grinder. You're out. That's it. Well, the, the tough one, too, is kind of like uh, kind of the recency bias of it all is uh, he, I believe he still has Aaron Rodgers starting this week, right? Which is probably not the advised um, position to take here. He does still have, um, quote-unquote, immunized Aaron Rodgers <laughs> starting for him right now. So, so let, me, 
let me ask you, Joe, just just as a, a an alternate perspective here, right? Like, are you really that bothered by it? Do you do you feel like it's it's impacting your day to day or your overall enjoyment of the league? Like, how do you feel about the involvement of of? And it doesn't have to be specific to Nick, just of the league overall. Uh, specifically, kind of Nick's engagement. Well, I, it doesn't have to be, but if you if you want to give a direct response to Neil in regards to Nick's engagement, sure. Um, would love to, would love to see more. And I think the the league is kind of the health of the league is dependent on the engagement of the players. Like we were talking about trades earlier, I, I think kind of the social aspect is important as well. But you know, uh, everyone's their own person. But uh, I, I think for a collective mm-hmm. experience, uh, engagement is positive. See, I, I guess for me personally, Nick, I love you, buddy. Um, th- this is just who Nick is. Nick has Nick has the mindset that fantasy is more luck than skill, and you don't need to pay attention to the nth degree every single day and waking minute in order to be successful. Now, in this league, he's not necessarily seeing those results. In another league, I believe he might be seven and one on the season with the exact same oh. draft strategy and overall mentality. Um, so there is a slight level of variation to the success of his strategy. Um, I don't think it's a big enough sample size for us to really call if it's a good one or not. I, I don't know how many other people go into the season basically cold. Um, yeah. you know, Joe, you you may be closer to that. Um, but in the past, I don't think you were, so I, I feel like it's a little different. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know. I don't want to, you know, eliminate somebody just because of their interaction count. I think everybody's going to GM their own way. I mean, I, I am the creator of, you know, let them coach, let them play. Right. So, you know, similarly to Neil's kind of backdoor GMing comments to Brendan, which arguably might be why he got away with such a, uh, Oh, horrendous um, trade. Uh, um, but, you know, we, we don't need to digress into that. Um, uh, but, yeah. The drive-by shooting of Neil. Wow. <laughs> to, add, to add some, uh, what I want to call more qualitative context to Nick's lack of involvement here. Um, he had three quarterbacks through, I want to say, week five, which is when buys start, which to me was a very interesting thing to stack a position that you can only play one right until right before you might actually need one of those other quarterbacks. He also still has Michael Thomas on his roster, who I believe him himself has announced he is out is out for the rest of the year. He is out. <laughs> true. And the Saints also confirmed that as well. He has two defenses, which, okay, sure, like, you might say that's okay. Um, he has two kickers. Justin Tucker is now off by. Brandon McManus is just a free spot. And despite him being in Denver and having one excellent week against the Jets, has actually been quite poor, which makes me sad because he's, he's one of those guys that you're like, oh, Denver kicker, he's got to be pretty good, right? And it's just... Performance hasn't been there with the offense this year. Um, and last point um, before we move on is, you're, I, I think Alan's absolutely correct. We all have different styles. Um, some folks are, you know, a little more 
conniving a little more, let him make their own mistakes and learn that way type of player. And I, I like to think I'm a little more of a straight shooter, you know, someone who's a little more nurturing of a uh, inclusive and, and uh, fun environment for everyone, you know. Let's get there. I hear you. <laughs> Alrighty. So within that within that same level, though, right? There's something about interaction that is inherently positive versus inherently Mm. negative, right? And and I think some of the interactions, right? Neil would tend to argue that Nick's might be more negative, right? Diego's, on the other hand, are kind of hit or miss. Like we we've seen some good ones. Right, I'm slightly annoyed with the who has JT. Like, uh, yeah, sure. After he has two touchdowns, right? And yeah, JT has been rolling for the past four or five weeks. But there wasn't a whole lot of where was JT in week one or two. Who has you? You know what I mean? I that was actually his uh, first of- mention of uh, JT the entire season. Looking back at it right now. And I and think Jamar Chase has been doing really well for him. You know, Diego, if you if you actually ever end up listening to this, you want to make a trade, you know, holler at me. There's another one for the counter, boys. Rack them up. Um, but, you know, I mean, let me just ask you, Diego. Like I said, I, I hope that you do get a chance to listen to this. Where are you getting information about DeAndre Swift and, and who he's associating with and whether or not he he's murdered somebody? I got one hit on that, and it was an alleged story that didn't go past like page eight day one in like the philly inquirer yeah so like go wrote it where you know what i mean like have you been hanging out in philly like i i know you went down to atlanta to see the kanye west uh you know whatever we want to call that concert uh uh maybe he's got boots on the ground dude i mean i feel like I, 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 I'm starting to wonder if he's got like a little finger thing going on where he just got spies mm. in every city, but uh, I, I don't know. Neil, I, I mean, what do you think? I, I think there's been a couple of other ones I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I'm really, I'm looking back at it right now, and quite frankly, it's it's very painful because about a third of them are just him shitting on me when he beat me. Which is, uh, is a great comedy for the rest of us, did, truly. Did I mean, round of applause, Diego. Way to go. Mike Evans? Wow, Mike Evans caught another football in the end zone? <laughs> I mean, it's a tale as old as time itself, right? Neil being good at fantasy football, being thwarted by Diego. I, I believe I'm uh, one in Very six true. against Diego all time. <laughs> I would Lord. love to know, Neil, if you ever had some time, I would love for you to export out the stats from every year and, and run oh, like well, a, I, you I know, a historical... ESPN deletes them unlike sleeper because ESPN interesting is dumb. interesting yeah. even have... you can't go back from the league homepage and just click on the like 15 or 16 they're like truly gone gone if you take if you take a year off i believe it deletes them so really uh, that's why this league is explicitly the third because it is the third league oh like, technically wow as well yeah Jeez. Um, imagine if we moved to sleeper what that would be like it would be amazing i i i do believe that Diego's most interesting comment outside of him shitting on me and the very blatant Patriots propaganda um, <laughs> is what I think at one point 
I, someone said, hey, this game is, oh, this is a close one. And someone said, it's very tight, tight butthole. Diego then responded with, Taylor Swift tight. And all I want to know is, what is he referring to? What is tight? What, what part of her? I, I just don't know. Maybe he has some spies looking at some non-football things as well. I would, I would love some listener feedback on this one as well, because I'm like generally, genuinely perplexed as to what that means. Like the only thing I can think of is like Taylor Swift, TT, like tight, like that's some sort of kind of um, some sort of coded language that I'm just not privy to. I could I could see the kids doing that, you know. I could definitely. The see kids that. are doing <laughs> it. She's been putting out a lot of stuff during quarantine. Um, Taylor Swift is hot. That's what we're, we're unbelievable. The, the, unbelievable. I one thing about Diego's team too. It's very true to him. Like the one thing you could say about Diego's team is like he puts his heart really right out there. He has a lot of Patriots, much to his detriment, except when they play the Jets, which means he's playing me. <laughs> He has Tom Brady and Mike Evans because he just loves Tom Brady till he dies. Julio Sony, Jones. Yeah. Sony Mich- yeah, Julio Jones he loves. Sony Michelle, former Patriot. Like he just has guys that he likes and he rides with them and, and somehow it's sort of worked for him. He's four and four this year. Um Johnny Hecker being the twenty sixth ranked punter right now. the fall from Grace. I, I think what that is is just he hasn't had the attempts. Like he, <laughs> I don't think the Rams have really been punting too much this year. That's right. Matt um, Stafford is bad for Johnny Hecker's career and just kind of like future going forward. He is, well, and yeah, he's been around for eternity too, right? Yeah. So some of it he's could be age. Older. Some of it could be usage. I mean, I agree. The Rams are rolling right now, but um, you know, you're not seeing a lot of Marquise King, right? Uh, he's obviously not t- signed with anybody. So from that era of the Johnny Hecker type punters, right? Marquise King, those, those guys. Um, Marquette King. Marquette. Thank you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apologies. No, I loved him. I miss him. Yep. He was in the uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, great, great for the late. Sad. Seriously. Another sad story. All right. Speaking think- of sad stories, dude. Um, and some people will say it's sad. I, I don't know if it necessarily is. If we talk about a guy like OBJ, who has had what coming out of his rookie year at LSU going into the Giants, right? I mean, you thought at the time, okay, their offensive line might not necessarily be that great. Their defense is kind of on the decline. You know, they're going to be into a rebuild soon. Eli Manning's going to retire. Those first few years of OBJ was some fantastic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then true to form, the Giants kind of collapsed. You know, Tom Coughlin leaves. You know, they sputter around a few more years. He goes to the Browns. You know, (laughs) Ah, Oh, always, always. And then, you know, he goes to the Browns and you think, ah, finally, right? A breath of fresh air. This might be the piece that they need, right? Jarvis Landry, OBJ, you know, Baker Mayfield, who say what you want about Baker Mayfield. At the end of the day, he's arguably at least a game manager, right? If Jameis Winston can do it, Baker Mayfield can do it as well. So, you know, you think, okay, obviously in Cleveland, it's a, it's a run first game. You know, they had a couple of years where, you know, they had some tight ends, right? And Joku's first year uh, or second year, rather, I think he was a great tight end, you know, then kind of had the sophomore slump, the barnyard that one year. Uh, I mean, you date all the way back to the Peyton Hillis year, right? Like the run game in Cleveland has been the run game. Jim Brown dating all the way back to the when, 
Um, so, you know, you, you think about it and you think, okay, now they have another offensive piece, you know, and over the past couple of years, it hasn't worked out, right? I'll, I'll be the first to say it. Cleveland, you know, believe land, you, you, you're hard-nosed city, right? You get in, you get the job done. That's what OBJ is. He's injured, he's still playing, right? He's practicing, right? As Jarvis Landry said on Hard Knocks, right? Like that weak shit. It's not in there anymore. The mentality is different in Cleveland. They got too many stars. You know, Big Ben's on the way out. The division is arguably up for grabs, although Cincinnati's making a great play at a a dynasty here. Um, But, you know, I mean, you think about it, and then, you know, you get to this year, right? He's coming back off of injury. You know, the games that he has played, he's been okay. Uh, Obviously not the production of old, but I think a lot of that, again, is the game. Uh, and so he, he obviously wants out and, and through the back end channels, you hear that over the past few weeks, dating back to months, he's been requesting a trade. We get to the trade deadline. There's no movement. OBJ, the star that he should be demands out, right? Uh, he ends up agreeing, getting to terms. I think today it was actually finalized. Neil, I don't know if you saw this, but he's not going to charge the termination fee, meaning that there's no additional money the Browns will have to pay if he goes unclaimed. Oh, wow. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but right now OBJ is slated to be a free agent. There's the he possibility is. that's growing through the league that because this is basically a rental, nobody knows truly what's going on, he may go unclaimed, thus becoming a free agent. Now, personally, I think uh, you know I'll ask you guys in a hot minute here where your predictions are, but honestly, if you look at some of the teams that have been listed, I'm surprised no one has been talking more about the Patriots. I think they're an underdog team, right? They're just Uh, above 500. They have three bad wins, right? Neil, I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. Houston, the Jets twice. Those teams are always trash. You'll never hear me say otherwise. Um, It is what it is. But that Chargers win looked real good the other day. They're starting to figure it out. We saw Nikhil Harry sighting once or twice, but I think you plug a Jarvis Landry in there and you let him go back to what he was doing. We might even see Jacoby Myers finally get his first touchdown. Um, but I'll ask you guys, you know, what do you think? If you were going to see him go somewhere, where do you want him, whether just personal opinion or, or what you think fits best? So I'll, I'll answer that question after uh, what two notes that I think I just need to get out about Odell. The, mo- the thing that makes me hate him the most is that I distinctly remember Nate Proach gloating about drafting him his rookie year and then getting like a ton of value about out of him. And from that point on, I was like, man, I just don't want this wide receiver to do anything. Um, that's point number one. Point number two is that looking back in our league, uh, Odell was actually drafted in the sixth round um, before guys like DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, um, Mike Jerry Williams. Judy. Oh my God, Mike, oh, don't even get Mike Williams. Like so many guys, like really like Nick kind of, I would say reached for Odell in this case, a run first team. Baker really can't get it to the sideline where Odell likes to be. Um, so I don't know, looking at even how he's performed, he's performed worse than guys like Traquan Smith and Jamal Agnew on a fantasy points per game basis. And so for where he was drafted, he's definitely a big disappointment. So in terms of where I want to see him go, like from just like a fan perspective, and this is different from a fantasy perspective, 
I think from a fan perspective, I'd like to see him go to the Seahawks, which is kind of a weird choice being a Niners fan, but I just think it would be really fun to see like Odell, Lockett, and DK Metcalf on the same team, just like letting Russ cook because all of their running backs are just always hurt. Even funnier I love that when... prediction. Don't they have Josh Gordon, though? Oh, no, he's on no, the Chiefs. No, he's on the Chiefs. Yeah, they yep, did have yep. Josh Gordon, though. They but did. You're right. Correct. My apologies. The funniest thing about that prediction... Oh, no, no. The funniest thing about the prediction is they could get all three, but then... Um, what's, his, what's it called? They would, they would still just run the ball all the time. Like, that, that's still what would happen with, like, Travis Homer or, like... They still have PTSD the from the Super Bowl. Honestly, I think it's what it is. I think that's true, too. They have had PTSD from throwing the ball at the one, getting picked, and losing. Great times. Great times. Yeah, I mean, I would obviously love to see him on the Pats, too. But, like, if I think about it from, like, kind of, like, an NBA perspective where kind of, like, players always go, like, directly to, like, the top, like, two or three teams in the league just so they can get a ship. Mm. Like, seeing him on, like, the Chiefs or the Ravens would be, like, super exciting. Oh, oh the, the Ravens would be really good because they, they yeah. could really use someone that is, like, seasoned, that can, like, just be plug and play. And, like, I think they have definitely the target share to give him there. Like, I don't think Rashad Bateman is going to get too flustered, like, if he doesn't get the targets. Like, he's a rookie. Like, that's what you do. Rookie, second year? I forget. Yeah. Um, I think it's a shame, like, uh, exciting players kind of, like, we brought up, like, Marquette King, too, a little bit ago. Like, OBJ should, like, be thriving in this league. Like, he, sh- he shouldn't be on yeah, his third team. For the league. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It reminds me of, like, R- Randy Moss, too. Like, kind of, like, players like that who, like, you know, just uh, the culture yeah. surrounding them yeah. wasn't kind of supportive of the just the pure talent, regardless of kind of uh, any personality yeah i i also think that the the falcons or the saints either one could be a good for him like fantasy wise in terms of like teams that have available target share uh the falcons like really only have pits right now as like their main target he's been like blanketed the last few games to much to my chagrin Cordero patterson still produces though unbelievable the comeback story of the i kind of want him to get comeback story of the the decade dude this fantastic i'm so happy for him like ah It's truly remarkable, especially when you think about like, okay, he was a, I I believe somebody might have to correct me on this, but I believe he started out as a quarterback transitions to a wide receiver, right? He comes into the league with Minnesota. He's touted as CP flash. He's, you know, the next Chris Johnson. He is lightning on a football field. Devin Hester, right? He does returns. He's a little bit of a wide out. He does some wildcat stuff. It just didn't work out for him in Minnesota. Um, you know, and then I know he was on the Patriots for a year. I don't know where his running back conversion began, but, um, I know that he did play some running back or at least some, some jet sweeps from the wideout position with the Pats, um, and, and was the backup running back. I think one game for the Patriots as well. Um, and now you see him in Atlanta, right? He's kind of the veteran guy. He's been around in the league for quite a few number of years now. Um, he's getting his opportunities and he's making the most of them, right? You, you love to see a good underdog story. I saw a little bit of an interview with him the other day and he said, you know, if my mom can work two jobs, why can't I play two positions? Aww, that's and you great. love the mentality wow. as, as many years as he has been in the league, he's out there every day, pushing himself to be better. He's fantasy producing right now i believe he's a top 10 fantasy running back according to espn um he's been a great addition to my team 
Um, I did offer him out in some trades earlier in the year, and I'm surprised that people weren't necessarily as interested on him. I think that there's definitely, you could argue, similar to Emmanuel Sanders, right? There might be a regression coming. He's just been too hot. But, I mean, if Jonathan Taylor is putting up 20 points a game, you know, in 2021, weirder shit has happened. Right? He keeps it up. Uh, Allen will actually have three top 10 quarterbacks in Deion or running, running backs, backs in DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, and Cordero Patterson, which is very impressive. Um, he won a Super Bowl with the Pats. That was the, the poopy Rams Super Bowl year. Um, so oh, that's Bowl- right. Champion and Cordero the only one. I mean, perhaps. How many rings does he have? Just one. So who are That's other one. guys around the league who have only one ring? Notable. Uh, or maybe wait. not notable. Well, no, nah, pretty notable. Does Rodgers have only one or two? Rodgers only he has, has one. One. Yeah. Yeah. one. Interesting. So w- with him being out, we also alluded to this earlier. As of now, uh, quarter to nine on Saturday night, Uh Again, tip-off is 1 p.m., I think, for the Packers game, or do they have the 4 o'clock? Can anybody check me uh, on that real quick? Let me look real quick. Um, they have the 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. So, yeah. you know, we still have a few, you know, few hours to go here before before really it counts. But you would think by the time the 1 p.m.s are locked, all the, all the quarterbacks are kind of gone, right? So... Uh, we'll see what ends up happening, but interestingly enough, so it came out this week, guys, Aaron Rodgers isn't vaccinated. And I didn't get a chance to see what he had to say yesterday on the Pat McAfee show, but I heard that uh, it basically wasn't good and an insurance or or firm, uh, some sort of health related company that he had a sponsorship with for nine years uh, is now no longer. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting. Story. I actually watched most of the Pat McAfee interview, and um, I don't know, I don't know how you, I don't know how you did that, Neil. God bless you. <laughs> I kind of had the same reaction if you watch it as AJ Hawk the entire time, just sort of like, what am I watching right now? Um, and you could sort of tell it was going down that you know path of the person like sort of talking in circles, like all oh, the restrictions and the do do your own research and this or that, and it's sort of like, well, it sort of just seems like this guy is angry about something for some reason and someone like brainwashed him or something like that. And um, I think, you know, taking aside like your opinion on it and whatever, and I, I don't think it's ever sort of the best mindset to just say, oh, because it's the rule, you have to do it. But here it's very blatant. He broke the rules. Like he was in indoor press um, sort of pressers um, unmasked, which should carry like a pretty significant penalty, I believe I saw. But um I think I also said he got. And that's only one of it, right? I I mean, if you think about contact uh, or right, I don't know what the NFL rules are, right? But I believe they are pretty stingent in that if you are unvaccinated, you are supposed to travel on a completely different plane. Yep. You are supposed Can't to leave eat the hotel completely alone. You are not allowed to leave the hotel. You have mm-hmm. to be masked, right? There's certain testing protocols that need to happen. Um, you know, there's all sorts of different things. I mean, I can't imagine the Halloween party that he went to, oh, right? Yeah. He also uh, made some uh, fairly questionable statements. Like he kept referencing the uh, woke mob. He said that they made him wear a 
yellow statement or a yellow uh, wristband and a mask basically was a external signal to everyone that he was quote unquote unclean um, and to stay away from him. Um, so he, you know, was wow. clearly very, um, I guess, like incensed with the situation. And um, I think another interesting yeah. thing is out of every expert in the world, he went to uh, Joe's favorite um, podcast host, um, Joe Rogan, for advice. Um, a, a professional athlete that could get on the phone with any doctor that would definitely take his call went to the man who used to host Fear Factor and narrate women getting large cockroaches put into their shirts and pants. Yeah, I mean, I mean that part's disappointing. I mean, you know, we, you were just talking about it, Alan, where it's like, He's, he's hosting press conferences with no mask where he can put other people in danger, which I think is kind of like the biggest part of this, right? Um, he, I mean, he, you're responsible for your own body in situations like that. And if you consciously know you're, you're technically not vaccinated, um, you're putting everyone in that room at risk. Uh, the other thing, too, is like he's a person of like kind of high stature and he mm. kind of like holds... I don't know. He holds power over people with the words that he says and kind of like the positions that he takes, right? So when you do something like this, you're really, you're you're hurting a lot more people than just yourself when you think it's just a personal decision. Um, It's just not the case when you're a person of that stature. Not setting a good example for the kids. You hate to see it. You have to think of the kids in these situations. Yeah. Won't somebody please think of the children? (laughs) And taking it back to a fantasy perspective, like I really hope that all those owners out there that were counting on him to produce this week have gotten a backup and removed him from their their starting lineup. You know, that's really just my my big hope for those people. Yeah, Jordan, um, love to see it. Love you, Nick. <laughs> mo- mo- moving on to uh, what I think is another thing I love to see is commitment. Commitment to fantasy players, and that. F- Specific player is Marquez Callaway, and I'm gonna let Alan speak to this. But before I do, I just want to set the table. Marquez Callaway, uh, you know, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, no longer have Drew Brees, but hey, the ball has to be thrown somewhere. Michael Thomas is sitting out, and Marquez Callaway was drafted in the 11th round. Seems like a pretty solid value. Good dart throw. Some big names drafted after, including Mike Williams, another dart throw by Allen. But there have been what looks to be uh, four consecutive transactions only by Allen for this player. So, Allen, please give us your, uh, your, the behind the scenes here. Similarly to how I took Kamara third, uh, I am... And I will use the the word am, the adjective, the adverb, whatever the correct English grammatical uh, description of it is. Uh, I am high on Marquez Calloway. I, I think in some regards, the Saints aren't necessarily using their weapons efficiently, right? I've caught a couple of Saints games uh, this season, and I just don't understand what some of the passing options are. I watched preseason, and I, and for those of you who don't know, I take a, a little mini trip down to South Carolina, and and down there, I often catch a lot of the, uh, you know, the more southern games, right? So I see a lot of Jags games and Titans games and and Saints games, and so I watched a lot of the preseason games with the Saints, and and Marquis Callaway was used. He was a 
efficient, he was effective, and he was quick. And, and I truly believe that on the right team and used in the right way, he could be a good fantasy player. I might be high on him too early. We, this could be the early coming of Marquez Callaway, and in true Nostradamus way, we can look back on this in a few years and... You know, you could be like, you were just way too early on the yeah. dude. But yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about Maybe. him. I like him as a depth play. I think on a given week, he can get you anywhere from, you know, seven, eight points. Uh, if you mm. need a bye week nice. fill-in, right? It's not a yeah. lot. It's a re- relatively low floor. Um, you know, but you saw, Bre- did, you saw Brendan. You, yeah, yeah you, you saw Brendan this week, right? He started Michael Carter. The guy had, you know, what, 30 points last week? It wasn't going to continue. I think he had nine this week. So, you know, similarly there, I think Marquez Callaway, you're going to see a lot of, you know, consistency in terms of the lower floor. And then he might get you the the big boom uh, every, you know, now and again. But, yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, if I get the opportunity to and and it works out, you know, depending on how our our god-awful waiver wire system is, um, I, I truly regret not making a bigger push for the fab. Um, you know, I thought in some regards, didn't want to overcomplicate things. Um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of agreed with the initial proposal that it, it wasn't necessary. Um, but after not having it, I think it's just a critical component of, of fantasy strategy and, and gameplay. And I think it's truly enjoyable, right? Because in a lot of ways, you know, we've seen a number of pickups over the course of the season that have really just gone to, you know, the worst team in terms of standings or, you know, uh, I, I think there was actually this most recent week, Neil might've been the only person who bid on AP. Um, but, you know, I think if we had a, a an auction, right? I think we would have seen a little bit more competition. I also think that would have garnered a little more trade interest because people would have lost out on bids. Um, you know, but Neil and I have always talked about potentially with that, with trades, right? You could trade some money, um, yeah. you know, or you could do, you know, there's just a number of different variations of trades that there can become and just overall league strategy for GMs that I think is a positive um, for the health and, and just enjoyment overall that, um, you know, hypothetically, if somebody's not necessarily interested on a player by per player trade, but if you could throw some free agent money at them because they're low for the season overall, um, you know, that, that would be something that we would, you know, potentially consider. So um, you know, hey, listen, circling it back, I, I think Marquez Callaway will be fine. Um, I hope that he circles back to my team again and we see a couple more of these transactions go up in my favor. Um, you know, but the waiver wire has been hit or miss this year overall. And I think actually, if if we may kind of segue into an off topic here, what have you guys thought about the the waiver wire overall? Um, you know, do you feel like there's been available players when you guys are in need? Do you, do you think that you've been actively scanning it, uh, you know, to, to find Uh, value or, you know, what are your thoughts? So so personally, I do think there's, you can always find someone with value on the waiver wire in this league. It's a, it's a 10 man league. It actually has a shortened bench by one spot and no IR spot. So Quite frankly, like that was done by design to sort of keep folks engaged because I could realistically, I, I, maybe I'm being cocky, but I think, you know, I could find like just from waiver wire guys, like a team that could put up like a hundred ish points. Um, so really bold. Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> of 
good folks Boom. on the wire, dude. And like, you just take some bets, like you know, like do, maybe. Do you, do you think it's as as deep today as it was like four weeks ago? I'm I'm constantly finding like I'm going through the waiver wire. I was like, oh my god, I don't want any of these players. But at the beginning of the year, like when players would go down, I was like, yo, this guy's gonna be like RB one for a long period of time here. I, I think that's a great point, Joe, right? So, Neil, I'm sure you're going to have some comments on this, but I'll just kick it off. I, I think holistically from a fantasy perspective every year, there are a certain subset of positions from a fantasy perspective that are scarce. We've seen it some years, predominantly most years, I think it's been with tight ends. Um, but I think running backs have, especially as of late, started to uh, transition out of what we've seen over the past few years, which is bell uh, bell horses are, are, are really the bell king. Cows. Bell cows are, are the king of the rushing game and the backups don't mean anything. Right. So back in the day, you know, you would have your main four or five running backs and then everybody else after that. Right. You'd have your lower end guys who weren't even worth starting. But I think now with the way that the game is played, where running back backups, exactly. I think the the value of the backup running back has increased so Mm -hmm. that the waiver wire for the running backs now is also hit or miss. Um, but I think the health of the quarterback and wide receiver specific to our league has been okay. And, and I would, I would stretch that probably to tight end. Um, I've had a lot of weeks, uh, you know, as you guys may not know, I drafted Logan Thomas. He went down for IR. Um, he should be coming back soon. So, you know, there, there's another play there for those folks who might need a tight end. Um, you know, Jacob, I hope you're looking at him too. Um, but you know, I think, you know, realistically, right? Like just overall there, uh, it, it depends on what your needs are too. Mm. I, I maybe I, I'm maybe optimistic, but like if you're looking just for like a one week villain, I think there's plenty of choices right now at every position. Um, like, you think I, for running back? Yeah, if you need a one week plug in, I think Boston Scott is a good one week <laughs> plug in. I think. Mark Ingram could be a fine one-week plug-in. I think Carlos Hyde could be a good one-week plug-in. Um, you just need him for a week. Like, look at guys like Samaj P. Ryan. Like, play for the short term. P. Ryan has had two weeks at 15 or above 15 points. Like, when you're not Joe looking Mixon for, like, a was injured or out. Guy. Yeah, but, like, there's always going to be guys like that. Or you're just going to have the guys True. that, like, there's a voluminous backfield. Like, Naeem Hines this week had a very voluminous backfield. Like, he had a good amount of carries, a good amount of targets, and he got into the Against the Jets. I yeah, think that's, can, a very, that's a very safe the answer. You can that's find a, the matchup. Why not A.J. Dillon this week, right? Like, he's uh, playing KC, right? Like, you just I, sort of have to... It's Don't think yeah. of it as someone you'll have on your team long-term. You just have to think of it as, like, who do I... Like, there's definitely not going to be a True. running back that you can plug in at this True. point of the week. Yeah, but True. I will say there True. haven't been, like as many of like, oh, this running back went down. Oh, I need to get his backup. He's going to like fill in completely. That hasn't been the case this year. Even when Derrick Henry went down, I was like, do I want McNichols? Do I want AP? And it didn't really seem like that many people wanted either um, because it was just like, who's going to get it? Like I might, I kind of just want to wait and see because that's kind of icky. 
Um, yeah. And we've seen that yeah, with Carolina can... too, right? Christian McCaffrey yeah. goes down. Is Chuba Hubbard going to be the guy? Are they going to go with uh, the other backup there? Are they going to sign somebody? I think that's always the question mark. But I think for a lot of people, part of putting a backup on your roster is is you want it to be the handcuff. You know, well, I, I'm surprised side. nobody had McNichols rostered previously because he had been playing what I would equate to a very Jarek McKinnon-esque role on a much smaller scale um but he was utilized i mean he was getting points so uh i was a little surprised that he wasn't rostered and he was a waiver wire bad but i think that's a lot of the struggle right now neil to your point is that like you know people want to roster somebody for a long-term play they don't want to play the matchups but that you you have to look at it that way if you if you want to be successful just from that week-to-week perspective so you know, there's a lot of different strategies with fantasies, um, you know, and we see that across a lot of the matchups, which interestingly, um, I'd be curious to know, you guys want to do like a, a little quick hit around and let's yeah, uh, let's see up. in terms of uh, what we have. Um, I think I, it, personally, if I may, let's start off with arguably the game of the week. It's already off to a hot start. We've seen Brendan, who originally leading up to this week had Kyler Murray in his starting spot. God, I wish he kept him and made it a game time decision. Uh, he went to the waivers instead and picks up Carson Wentz, who, as Neil alluded to earlier, basically lit up the Jets in true Carson Wentz fashion. Uh, 272 and three tutties. I'm not sure if he had had a pick i think he might have um 30.18 fantasy points and then brendan again rode the hot hand with michael carter who only put up 9.6 his projected is 147 my projected is 146 it's going to be a real nail biter neil also i think mentioned earlier i got some buys right now um the running joke with me personally is that i made a sleep pickup uh earlier this year so now i have both jerry judy and Cortland sutton um so we'll see what happens with the dallas defense on who's going to match up with who and who ends up playing there but um i kind of want to lean me only because i think brendan's team is a little bit risky right if we look at cole beasley against jacksonville you got emmanuel sanders you got stefan diggs you don't know what's going to happen with dawson knox um you got zach moss singletary is cole beasley really going to get the targets that he's seen in the past weeks that's a question mark how is jordan love going to do with Devontae adams i mean i'm just saying i think i might squeak this one out i'm going to take me in a nail biter I, real, real, I, real shocking stuff going on here, Neil. Who would have thought? Who would have thought Allen would think he's gonna win this week? I, can, can we get a drop of Allen saying, "I'm gonna lean me here" as a just a drop moving forward? I, I'll try to, I'll try to pick that out. All right. Um, I, I think what this is gonna come down to is really the Chargers against the Eagles. Um, just for reference, the Eagles are two point dogs at home. Um, which is a pretty slim, you know, spread. So Vegas their is defense be a has been game. really good this year. I agree. That one's going to be a nail biter. It's going to be, and the Chargers just do weird shit all the time. They're like the the third weirdest team behind the Seahawks and the Vikings for just. But doing Brendan dumb, has weird two shit. guys done. Yeah, but like they I bank, still got, they I, I got opportunity on my side. Brendan has thirty nine points locked. Can't get more than nine points out of Michael Carter. I could get more than nine points out of Jerry Judy. You just 
That's, you're, you're just who are your picks? That's, my, Neil, my who pick, do you pick? My pick is uh, you. Joe? And for the sake of the universe, Brendan. Okay. Oh. Okay. Let's All do these. Right. Uh, we can take a little more time on ours just for the vanity's sake. So let's take a look at Joe's matchup against um, Jacob, who currently has Rob Gronkowski in on a bye. You love to yeah, see it. He, he, has, he has some updates to make here because I think James Robinson is hurt right now. Yes, he is. Um, I, I don't know if he really wants to play the Packers defense against Kansas City. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure how he feels about that. I love the Pittman start. Um, I absolutely love that. Looking at Jacob's bench, I mean, I you know, I, on a personal level, I don't want to give options. Joe too much credit, but Joe's bench is also hurting. But I think just on starters alone, I might have to give this one to Joe here. My independent analysis is that unless Tyreek Hill really goes off, because my concern for the Bills game is that it's either going to be one of those ugly ones. What, what you really need for this game to go poorly for you is the Bills to just keep the pedal to the metal and just destroy the Jaguars, which I kind of don't see happening. I feel like they're just going to kind of let off a little bit because it's going to be really sad, which may sort of lower the ceiling of Josh Allen and Moss. So for that reason, and also sort of, Yet, I don't think Jacob has good choices this week with the buys. So that being a big yeah. differential, I, I got to give it to Joe. And I, I'm going to say a 25-point victory plus. Oof. Love it. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I, I guess I won't make a prediction on who. I, I mean, I would no, I go make about it, make my a life saying, like, I think I'm going to win here. I mean, if, okay. if I do lose, though, if I do lose, it's like it's going to be the decision I make between starting Devontae Booker and Darrell Williams. I'm still going back and forth. I think yeah. I think it's going to be Cooper Cup. I, I think That's, the most yeah. interesting game in this lineup. Niels mentioned the the Bills Jacksonville, but I think on the flip coin of that, on the flip side of the coin, there you've got Rams and Titans, which would be an incredible game if Derrick Henry was playing. With Derrick Henry out, how does that game look? Sure. Yeah, I mean, pr- prime time Sunday night, eight twenty start. Like I, I would hope the. The bright lights come on and Tennessee can make it a game. True. Titans True. have been playing crazy games. So True. I think I I don't know. I like it. I like I'm also very interested in how Mahomes does this week. He he needs to bounce back. He's had two for by his standards terrible weeks in a row, less than seven sixteen or less points in both games. If Mahomes can come back against what's a pretty poor Green Bay defense, he should he should be okay. Which, if if we spill this into Neil's matchup, a lot of the same games have an impact, right? First and foremost, Neil facing the little, the golden prodigy. How is he going to handle emotionally with this? Uh, But secondly, (laughs) if we look at this, the Colts D, only five points. Thomas Morstead with 10. I guess that's average. average, Um, You know, Neil goes into Sunday with a 14-point lead off of the Thursday games. I mean, Edwin on the flip side, same thing, right? Tua, you love the play against Houston. Joe Mixon, a little banged up, but I don't think he's going to be on the injury report this week. Um, You know, he's got Deontay Johnson. uh, You know, a lot of the same matchups here. I mean, God, this is tough. Joe, what do you think? We'll give it to you first. I mean, the uh, the win probability is 56%, which is pretty high uh, at the start of these kind of predictions here. 
I might just go Neil, but um, I don't know. The, the Tua thing stresses me out. I'm not, uh, I'm not a huge Joe Mixon guy, kind of personally and professionally. Um, should yeah, I would agree. Put my cards agree. on the table there. Um, I think. I, I think know, here's. I the... feel like Neil's a Neil's a just a just a, a machine and kind of churns through these matchups here. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that before we give it to Neil. Uh, I would echo a lot of those similar sentiments. Plus, I also think in the grand scheme of things, Joe Neil, just with name bias alone, a lot of these guys are big name guys. They're big target shares in their offenses, respectively. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is the rookie there. Um, but if we look at Edwin's side, the volatility. McCaffrey might not even play. I mean, Neil might be hurting on a running back perspective. If I scroll down here, let's see. He's got Mike Davis, AP, so there are options. Um, but, you know, Dearness like I mentioned Johnson. earlier, I, I just think Edwin's team is just very volatile. Um, running back volatility, wide receiver volatility. I mean, right now he's got Deontay Johnson, which I think is a great play, but you got Devonta Smith. Um, assuming that Asante Samuel Jr. plays for the Chargers, I'm not sure what his injury report is going to be this week. Um, you know, that might be a tough matchup. Marvin Jones against Buffalo, you just you hate to see it. Um, you know, literally anybody is better uh, than playing against Buffalo right now. They are the number one defense. Uh, very scary to play them. So I'm going to give it to Neil. Like I said, um, Neil, would you disagree going <laughs> against yourself? I mean, no, I, I don't. I just see every single one of my players having a higher ceiling than, than Edwin's players in this case. And I don't like his matchups. I don't like the variance. The, the one way I can lose this is Melvin Gordon finding the end zone and Deontay Johnson, Devontae Smith, and Mark Andrews having a big game. That's like how it has to happen. And I don't know. I just, I just don't like it. I'll be really annoyed if Mark Andrews has like another 40-point week, though. That, that, that would be the one thing that makes me sad. But I do think I will win. Speaking of sad matchups, let's talk about two, two and six teams. Um, Both of these owners we have mentioned earlier in the cast, we have Dos Padres, Kyle Lasky, two and six. Um, Basically, the injured Grim Reaper. We, We don't, and he has a way better option, which is give me more. I made him art, and he just refuses to change it. I don't know why. Maybe it's maybe it's a family thing. Dos Padres does does he have two fathers? I think the answer to that is no. Um, maybe maybe there's something say? maybe there's something more to it. But but on the flip side of that, we have the Watertown Teapots, Neil's favorite team in the league right now. Nick Arcabasio with a two and six record, projected to put up at 121 points. Again, he has the uh, out. Aaron Rodgers still in the lineup. You love to see the Eckler play, the man who who basically came out before the season started and said, if you want to win, you have me on your team. You love the self-confidence. He started himself last week coming off of the injury, and I believe he produced again. Um, Javante Williams in Denver. Points. He's been amazing. Um, you know, Javante Williams, again, has been a little bit of a hit or miss. Robert Woods obviously started slow and has then been progressing up. Same thing with Debo. Um, Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end, uh, obviously. Wait, no, Debo um, has, did not start slow. Debo's been dumb good this entire season. I'm no, I said Robert Debo. Woods started slow. Oh, okay, that's 
and then Debo has has been you know Debo Um, Amari Cooper as well I I think has been hit or miss I know he's had some good weeks I think he's had some he's actually been really high floor uh, for Amari Cooper he's been like catching this year but it's because Gallup has been out that's that's the matter also true yep so I I think this one is interesting just in the sense that if we look at Nick's roster right you know, Michael Thomas is still out. OBJ, who knows where he's going to sign. Edwards Hilaire, even if he does come back, what's the chief offense doing? Um, I think I got to give this one to Lasky. Every single time I think Lasky is going to win, he doesn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's just going to be kind of just like just everyone you don't expect to pop off like Travis Kelsey pops off or kind of yeah, Robert Woods like, has a humongous every, Everyone on Nick's team who's had a bad week recently was just going to pop off. Like Lasky has like surprisingly few options, like no flexibility. He just has the Waddler and Jeremy Nichols to play with. Like mm-hmm. I, I want. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but I, I think the obvious answer is Lasky here. He's, he has yeah. that 56% probability. Well, He's also uh, playing a, a quarterback who will be active uh, tomorrow. So I think that uh, that gives a huge edge to Lasky. True. Which then leaves us with the uh, two four and four matchups oh, yeah. here. The, the, the middling team of Diego Fagundes versus the general um, who I, I don't even think the general like is Tim Tebow even a rosterable player here? So how is the name remotely relevant to what this roster is, is got going on right now projected to lose the big Jonathan Taylor who has JT Diego looking real nice. He picked up Jordan love. He fills in the buy for Mike Evans. He still has Jamar chase. We hope Jacoby Myers gets into the end zone this week. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, You know, funny here, Neil, a lot of this team, uh, all in one game. Yeah, Patriots defense. Patriots, yep. Damian Harris, Yanu Smith, Jacoby Myers. How many roster spots are there? Seven? Nine? He's got four of them filled with Patriot players. So Pretty we'll gross. see how that goes. Jamar Chase, what drops? The man has been electric. Expect him in the end zone again this week against, uh, I believe they Cleveland. play Cleveland. Cleveland. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Tyler Bass has been great. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think I got to give this one to Diego. I just don't think the general has enough. He's starting Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Aaron Jones. Do they free him this week or does he stay locked up? Um, Devante Parker, I believe is back on IR. So no Calvin Ridley, no Devante Parker. Not sure why he wasn't playing Emmanuel Sanders anyways. Um, Landry here is a great option. Um, you know, I, I think the general has enough to be competitive. I think he's a couple of moves away, um, from being truly a playoff team to worry about. But like I said, Diego for me on this one, guys, Diego's heavily invested. Like normally he also has Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Like he has huge investments in the bucks and the Pats. So he really like lives and dies by those teams. Um, Pats are, I want to say, three and a half point favorites, maybe this weekend, Doug Way, which seems pretty good. But, like, I don't, that offense, like, I, I feel the best. It spreads about it around Harris. too much. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, that's why I like, I like Damien Harris because I know he'll get the ball. He should have opportunities in the end zone. 
Jacoby Myers is like known for not getting in the end zone, right? Jonu Smith yeah. splits time with Hunter Henry. I kind of like Hunter Henry more. I feel like Jonu Smith is like in the doghouse and Hunter Henry is always the one they target in the end zone. I don't know why he just doesn't change that out. But um, yeah, I, I, I need to give it to Diego though, just because Nate's team is not looking so hot this week. Yeah, when when the when the RB one puts up thirty four points, it's pretty it's pretty uh, it's a safe bet to bet on the team with uh yeah with those points Nate, in the board there. Nate needs Jordan Love to uh, do about the average that he's done this year in past games. Very small sample size, but I believe it's about an average of a point three points. So Nate needs a huge egg from Jordan Love, I think, to 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 pull this one out for himself. Jordan Love just like like his brain malfunctions and he just kneels it every single time, like he's a backup still. I will <laughs> say, in the general's favor, though, right? He swaps out for Emmanuel Sanders. Diego's awesome. downfall is the Patriots game. I think Pro the Sanders. generals the generals name bias alone has enough stars that they pull it out with a good game across the board. Um, obviously, most interested to see how Lamar Jackson plays against Minnesota. There, um, I believe that's also a one o'clock game, so same time as the Pats. Um, for those who are interested in maybe streaming that one, um, but you know, again, I mean, Josh Jacobs, we'll see how that goes. Gasecki, I mean, playing Houston, so you gotta hope there's something there. Chase Claypool is surprised about the lack of opportunity. Um, you know, Pat Freemouth is just eating down there the past yeah, couple yeah. of weeks. Um, you know, I don't know how Chase Claypool has been doing, but I think the guy to have is Deontay Johnson. So, um, you know, hey. We'll we'll see how it goes. You know, he's got George Kittle on the bench, who I think is projected to play this week. So there's some options here for the general to maybe pull this one out in a close one. But for the prediction, I'm still sticking with Diego, um, which is an interesting, if I may, kind of transition into here before we wrap this one up. Um, Neil, if you want to take a look at the standings here, we do have a couple of interesting ways that the overall division rankings could shake up here, right? Obviously, myself and uh, Brendan playing each other is a big one for the West side. Um, You know, on the other side there, right? You play Edwin. So there's a little bit of a division shakeup there. Uh, Joe, who do you have? Jacob plays Jacob, which again is another divisional one. So it looks like we have interdivision matchups this week. So could see some shakeups here. Uh, Maybe a three-way tie at the top for the East. It could be very similar here. On the West side, Brendan, if he wins, will snake out a win. We'll see how Diego and... uh, and the general do there. And then obviously Nick playing Lasky for the, just the, the closure there um, points for an interesting story to be told. I think collectively the, the, the top teams with the exception of Diego, who somehow is just basically behind me. me. That's where he got um, his points. Surprise here. I think guys for me is Nick with 1178, but a two and six overall record. Um, that points against, I believe is the most for, uh, or the, or the most against rather in, in some form or fashion. So yeah, it's second most Diego, has second the most. most Diego yeah, has yeah. the most. So I, you know, I mean, right there, neck and neck, right. Diego lucky four and four with, with, you know, a great points four. but, um, you know, we'll see how this week plays out. This is really going to start to tell the tale about playoff 
Uh, I know nobody really pays too much attention to the ESPN rankings, but right now the top four teams at five and three all have the best percentage uh, with, I believe, Neil taking the top spot, myself closely following that. Brendan actually outranks Joe just a hair. I think three or four point different there. Uh, And then after that, it is a steep decline, which is kind of interesting because I think we have a different playoff structure with extra... Right. So we'll see how that shakes out, folks. Be aware, uh, Neil, as commissioner of the league, does have the edit availability for the season. So right you now, will I see come right playoff now, time, there will be some potential changes based on how ESPN does it to what is correct. Oh, it's set up correctly, actually. So so right now, wonderful. myself on by, you on by, Alan, and then it would have uh, Joe playing Diego, Joe being second in the East and Diego being third in the West. And then it would have uh, Brendan, second in the West, playing Nate, who is fourth in the West. That's now, you guys played each other, right? I have played everyone in, that I just said. And who won your matchup, you and Joe? Neil beat me. Yeah. So Neil time. takes the tiebreaker there, which is why yeah. he's yeah. first overall. So, yeah, that right. matches out. So good. Um, so we do have an updated playoff uh, projection right now based on our current rankings. If anybody is looking that far forward um, right now, it is up to date. Yeah. So guys, I mean, I think overall, listen, the draft was a blast. You know, I, I love how we did it on the discord. And for those of uh, you guys who got to join in with us, I think it was wonderful. Um, the season's gone off so far pretty good. I think, you know, Neil, if we may kind of hint it, you know, a possible next year in our first ever podcast for the league, um, you know, we could oh, see yeah. some potential roster changes. We could look at some point adjustments. Um, I know there's been whispers of potentially an IR spot would be what the people want to see. So, you know, there's options, folks. Um, you know, I heard stay some folks aloof. talking about a kicker puncher spot, you know, kind of like um, a special teams flex is kind of what I've been hearing out there. You so. know, there's some thoughts on the horizon. So everybody stay tuned. Uh, I, I hope you're all having fun so far. Um, you know, it's been a blast. Moving, and, I think uh, moving forward, I think just you know uh, the plan is yeah. to have a pod on Wednesdays just to recap the prior week and then ad hoc cool. pods whenever we feel like it. Um, and this cool. is one of those. All right, and I, and I think this one won't be posted uh, at least until after the start of the games tomorrow, right? Just so we can see how the Nick uh, Aaron Rodgers saga shakes yes, out. Okay, yeah. I, I want to keep that in the recording just so we can know. have a good chuckle at a future date if this comes to fruition or not. I hope so. <laughs> Looking forward Alrighty. to it. See you guys next time. Cool. Bye. Peace. Great.